1: You guys know I'm a big, big proponent of school choice in Ohio, the expansion of school choice in Ohio. There's no reason why we should not be getting this done, given the fact that we have ostensibly Republican supermajorities in the House and Senate. Uh, I wanted to bring on the president of School Choice Ohio, Yitz Frank, and talk about this issue and are we going to get it? Because, Yitz, I have some real questions about how committed our uh, politicians in the state of Ohio are to this Thank you for coming on the show, School Choice Ohio, my first uh, uh, exposure to the organization. Tell us how it came about, how long it's been in existence, and give me your view of the landscape in terms of how likely we are to get an expansion of School Choice in Ohio.
0: Yes, yeah, so School Choice Ohio was founded after the passage of the Ed choice Scholarship Program about 15 years or so. And the idea was okay. The legislature at the time it was Speaker John Houston, now the lieutenant governor of our state. They had passed this program to help um, give families options, particularly in uh, low-performing public school districts. And so it was founded to make sure that parents are aware of these options and help place them in schools that they want to be be in, whether it's a different public school, a charter school, a private school using the state uh, scholarship programs. Um and that's what it was founded to do. Uh, our organization works with about twenty thousand families uh, annually or so that's usually how the numbers come out get calls from all over the state moms dads they want to figure out what is the best option for their child so they can have a bright future and that's sort of what we do now at the same time we're very active within the state house um, to make sure that our legislative leaders are continuing to make more families avail uh, um, Um, eligible for these programs and what we'd really like to see is that they're not programs at all but rather in the state of ohio you can choose whatever school you want no matter where you live no matter how much money you make that's just how we um we think that's the best way for families and children to be successful in our state yeah um agree. you know that's that's where we're. That's what we're trying
1: to accomplish. Yitz uh, Frank is our guest. He is the president of School Choice Ohio, and uh, they have it in a lot of other states. We're seeing it: Iowa, Utah, Arizona, Florida, Arkansas. Uh, you know, Virginia. I think has expanded theirs. Uh, we have a bigger supermajority of Republicans in the Ohio General Assembly than they have in Florida, and Florida got it done. But they have a governor who's committed to it. I don't know about Mike DeWine's commitment to it, and. Honestly, Yitz, uh, I was told the night that Jason Stevens became Speaker of the House instead of Derek Marin, a friend of mine who is with a public policy organization said, Well, you can kiss the backpack bill goodbye, which is commonly what we're talking about when we talk about universal school choice in Ohio. Uh, your thoughts on the drama that played out at the State House? A lot of people think, and I'm one of them, that Jason Stevens made promises to all the Democrats to support him as Speaker, uh, and one of the promises he made was that he would not allow an expansion of school choice. So you're closer to it than I am. What's your read on it?
0: So I guess I would just say that there's we need to have a little bit of context to this conversation. Um, I want us to get the universal school choice. I believe we can and will get there by July 1st this year. I wow. think the governor got to start it off. Um. Florida historically has been a little bit ahead of where we were. So, for example, what the governor proposed this year is sort of where Florida has been. So we've been, um, you know, to the frustration of a lot, moving incrementally. Um, I will say this. The House of Representatives, the, you know, the way the state budget process works, and most of your listeners probably know, governor introduces a budget. The House has their say. The Senate has their say. And then they all get in the room and figure this all out. Yep. But historically, the House of Representatives, has for probably over a decade has never really expanded school choice. Most of those expansions have either come at the test of the governor, or um, at or from the Senate, uh, from the Senate, and that's been the case under Senator um, Senator President Huffman, Senator President Abhoff Senate President Faber. And so, I'm actually kind of happy where we are, looking at this process, knowing where we are historically that the House did expand. Ed Choice in the bill that they're going to be passing out tomorrow. And I think that puts us in a really good pos- um, uh, position to, to, to work with the Senate and move the ball forward. So, you know, look, I- I've heard all the rumors, too. I know Jason Stevens. I know Derek Marin really well. I like them both. All I can, all I can tell you is that they have gone further than normally happens at this point in the process. Would I prefer for them to go further? Yes, and I think that we're going to try and get that done um, um, through negotiations with the Senate. Um, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, obviously, I'm, I know how complicated this is. I know the forces that are right against us, but I think what legislators are going to end up hearing is they're going to hear from all their constituents that they want options in their kids' education, and I'm hoping that they're going to react positively to that.
1: Yitz Frank is our guest. He is the president of School Choice Ohio And, uh, you know, the familiar arguments put forth against expanding school choice. Oh, we can't afford it. And then the other one from the teachers unions is all of this will damage public schools. We can't have this. We're taking money away from public schools. Yes, we can't possibly do that. Uh, What is uh, the uh, counter argument to that? Uh, Also probably known as the truth.
0: Yeah, well, so luckily, I don't even have to make an argument about it because we have lots of studies on this. Ohio has continuously expanded school choice over the course of a decade and a half, and we have continued to invest more and more money in public education. So at the same time that we've been expanding school choice, and today in Ohio there are almost 90,000 students using a private, a state-sponsored scholarship to attend a private school, and we've got another about 115,000 students in public charter schools, at the same time, in real dollars, inflation adjusted, we have spent more and more money in public education. So yes, if it was true that uh, that that uh, supporting school choice programs might um, have a negative impact on, on support for public education, that's a conversation probably worth having. But the facts are it's not true. It hasn't happened. Certainly not in Ohio. It has never happened. I can't speak for other states. The other piece is, there's a recent study that came out and we've seen other studies in other that have looked at other programs in other states that seem to say the same thing, which is that the private school choice programs actually have the effect of improving the academic results in public school, in traditional public schools. um, And they also have the effect of um, actually, of of actually lessening the segregation that exists in many, many public school districts um, because of, as we know, uh, most people are required to go to a public school in their neighborhood. And to be honest, there's a lot of um, a, a lot of well-to-do people, um, my neighbors, to be honest. They purchase homes in specific school districts because those are really good schools yep. and happen to be that there's a lot of um, because of our essentially mortgage based public education system. There's a lot of de facto segregation, and so choice allows families to go and choose options that fit better. And, and you can look at the report. It was uh, uh, done by the Tennessee Fordham Institute, by two professors at Ohio State University, um, and the final of two. And um, you can look at It's all there. So
1: You can go on uh, School Choice Ohio's website as well and find out more about the effort to get School Choice expanded in the state of Ohio. Their website is scohio dot o r g s c ohio dot o r g you can follow them on twitter at schoolchoiceoh o h our guest is yitz Frankie is the president of school choice ohio so i in about the a little bit about a minute we have left uh i'm struck by your belief that you voice that you think we will get this by July first and it will be in effect uh for the fall, which would mean an expansion of the school of the uh, scholarships for kids who are in high school to seventy five hundred dollars you think that's going to happen. Uh, for the coming school year, next school year?
0: I think it is more likely than not. The reality is you said it yourself. You have Republican supermajorities. It is very, very clear what, frankly, the majority of all voters want, and in particular, Republican voters. um, School choice polls very, very high. Uh, The budget process is messy. I think there will be lots of fits and starts. But I really do think that there's a path for us to get there. Um, you know, it, certainly we can do, you know, Iowa, for example, they created a universal school choice program that's going to get phased in over a couple of years. I think that's something that can get done. We can make every single, uh, every single child in Ohio eligible for a choice. And remember something, the vast majority of, of families in Ohio, they love their public schools, yeah. and that's great. They will stay there. But for the families that want a different option, we have a responsibility to give it to them, and I'm hoping the legislature is going to see that.
1: Amen to that. Yitz, thank you so much for your work on behalf of School Choice in Ohio. Again, the organization School Choice Ohio, their website, scohio.org, their Twitter, SchoolChoiceOH. OH. You can donate to their cause and help bring School Choice about in the state of Ohio at their homepage, which is scohio.org. Yitz Franks, thank, thank you so much for joining the show today and for your work. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I've told you all before that all the major inner-city public schools, Columbus, Dayton, Cleveland, Cincinnati, every single one of them opposes the expansion of school choice in Ohio. Why do they hate competition? Because what competition they already have, which are charter schools, which you don't get charged tuition to a charter school, have long waiting lists. Kip on the east side of Columbus has a waiting list, 2,000 students long. If Columbus City Schools were doing a job, 2,000 kids wouldn't be trying to get into a charter school. It proves we need school choice in Ohio. So, a couple of uh, nuclear bombs, figuratively speaking. Uh, Yes, I know the difference between figurative and literal. Most uh, Democrats do not, but I know the difference. Figurative is... uh, something you equate to the impact of something literal. But a literal nuclear bomb would mean that none of us would be here today. So it was a figurative nuclear bomb that fell on the cable TV industry yesterday, with Fox News parting with Tucker Carlson and CNN parting with Don Lemon. I'll have more to say about Lemon a little bit later on in the show, Uh, but just because two guys with major gigs on cable got let go on the same day, It does not mean that they were let go for the same reason, and it does not mean that their departures are anywhere equal. Uh, Tucker Carlson is at the peak of his popularity. He averages, averages, 3.3 million viewers per night at 8 o'clock. Don Lemon used to be on at 8 o'clock. Don Lemon is not on at 8 o'clock at night anymore. Don Lemon was on at 8 o'clock in the morning on CNN because Don Lemon was a failure hosting a show solo at night, uh, where he averaged... In the final week of 2022, when he was last in primetime, 683,000 viewers a night. 683,000. So somewhere around hmm, less than 20% of Tucker's audience is what Don Lemon was pulling. On CNN, which has been around a lot longer than Fox, is a more iconic name than Fox, even though Fox is certainly... An iconic name. At his peak, at his peak ratings, when Trump was president, of course, because that's all Lemon could ever do was disparage Trump, Don Lemon pulled in 1.5 million viewers per night. Still less than half of Tucker's viewers. So they were not the same. Tucker Carlson's departure is painful in the short term, but might be beneficial in the long term. I say beneficial in the long term because Fox is looked upon as this mammoth conservative brand. And if you look at the cable news ratings, it's justified. I mean, The Five, Tucker, Hannity, Laura Ingram, um, Brett Baer's special report, they're always in the top ten. Typically, there might be one non-Fox show that crowds its way into the top ten. Now, now you take Tucker out of the lineup. And I think Jesse Waters is talented. I don't think Jesse Waters is a show I feel I need to watch every night. It's a little sophomoric for me. There's some good stuff in it. But Jesse Waters, to me, is trying hard to be Tucker. And he's not Tucker. I will continue to watch Special Report. But Special Report's not an opinion show. It's a news show. The best news show on TV, in my opinion. But will I watch... Hannity on a nightly basis, Laura Ingram on a nightly basis, no. And Gutfeld's on too late. I DVR Gutfeld and watch it occasionally. Gutfeld cannot take Tucker's place. Gutfeld's show at 11 just is out of place at 8 o'clock. There are guys who are great cleanup hitters in baseball, and there are guys who are great leadoff hitters in baseball. You can't move a leadoff hitter to cleanup and get the same results. Likewise, you cannot move Gutfeld. To eight o'clock and expect him to be Tucker. Tucker was a reasonable facsimile of Bill O'Reilly, who was a monster at eight o'clock before Tucker. Who do I think will get the Tucker gig? Uh, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet Will Kane gets the Tucker gig. I don't think Trey Gowdy wants the Tucker gig, although they should let Trey Gowdy do it from South Carolina if He'll agree to do it. Gowdy is a great interviewer. He's a lawyer. He doesn't really have a face for TV. Kane has a face for TV. Will Kane's a smart guy. Will Kane was hosting Jesse Waters last night. Will Kane, when he hosts Jesse Waters, you know, hey, look. When you host a show, you try to do the show the way the person you're hosting it does the show. When I hosted for Hugh Hewitt twice, and I won't get the chance again, I'm quite sure, When I hosted for Hugh Hewitt, I did the show like Hugh would do it. Out of respect for Hugh, offering me the opportunity. It was very nice of him to offer me the opportunity. We have a different view of the necessity of conservatism. So I won't be asked to do that show again, I'm quite sure. Will Cain, if he gets the gig at 8 o'clock, will not do the show the exact same way he does it when he's hosting for Jesse Waters. I think Will Cain will get it. And I think he's probably the best choice. But back to my original statement that it's painful in the short term to lose Tucker Carlson. It's painful in the short term because, well, because of this. Because it allows idiots and fascists to celebrate. Here's AOC. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, What I will say, though is while i'm very glad that the person that was
0: arguably
1: responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats not just to my office but to plenty of people across the country wow. um, i also kind of feel like i'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a marvel movie after all the credits have rolled and then you see like the villains like hand reemerge out to grip grip over like the end of a building or something. But deplatforming works and it is important. And um, there you go. Good things can happen. Yeah, that's painful to hear a fascist tyrant like AOC celebrate the silencing for a short term of a conservative voice. But she's right. She knows what's coming. You know what's coming. Tucker Carlson's coming back. He's coming back like the villain's hand at the end of a Marvel movie. He's coming back bigger, louder, and I think more impactful than ever before. When you look at the mark that people like Glenn Beck, Megan Kelly, Ben Shapiro are making, Glenn Greenwald, I would add to that, Alex Berenson, Matt Taibbi, people on Substack, Barry Weiss, people who are super talented and able to break free of all manner of supervision and things that confine them from speaking their true analysis and innermost thoughts, those people will find an audience. In our era where you can have a podcast and people can access it for free... Voices can't be silenced anymore. So I know the left is celebrating. I know they think, ah, Tucker's going away. We got, we won, we won, we won. Well, you won until you lose, and you will lose, because truth cannot be defeated. Truth can be uh, damaged, and you're doing your best to damage it, Democrats. But Tucker Carlson's voice will rise again